thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Welcome to the podcast, Vivika. It's so cool to have you here. Thank you, Helen. I'm so happy to be here with you. So cool with the aid of modern technology to be hooked up. You're in California on Monday evening and I'm in Australia on Tuesday morning. That always, I love that. That's just so cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. I will get to Australia sometime soon. My Actually, one of my dearest friends lives in Australia. She's Australian and she's getting married um, at the end of this year. So I will be coming down there for a visit. <laughs> oh, do it. It's an amazing country. I visited uh, 16 years ago and then never went home. So be careful. <laughs> nice. It's got a bit of, uh, you know, bit of magic. Why not? <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's actually, it sounds quite exciting there and I probably will love it. I think you will. I think you will. So before we jump into all things women and hormones and holistic health and keto paleo and everything that I know is so hot topic right now and the listeners will be dying to get all of your um all of your insight on this. Tell us what you had for breakfast. So today I actually had, it was not a typical day for me because today I only had tea for breakfast. Usually I have fat tea for breakfast. That's my normal breakfast because after doing keto for so many years, I'm at the point, and you know, of course, taking care of my health and my hormones and everything. So I'm at the point where most days I will just have a fatty for breakfast and then that's around eight, between eight and eight thirty, nine o'clock. You know, I, cause I, I start my day with just water and then I have tea and then I'll eat lunch around like between noon and one. But today, because I just had a long drive yesterday and I still haven't unpacked my car, I just had plain tea with nothing in it. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your recipe for a fat tea? Because I've heard of fat coffee, but I've never heard of fat tea. So is it the same kind of same kind of recipe? Pretty much. Um, I have a special recipe for myself. I like non-caffeinated tea. I drink a lot of rooibos. Sometimes I drink a chicory root tea, roasted chicory root, or some sort of different herbal mixes. But I like to put collagen in my tea. And sometimes I put ghee and sometimes depending if I don't, I run out of ghee, then i sometimes use butter and some coconut oil. And um, sometimes I use bone broth protein in it. So depending on what I have handy, but those are my main staple ingredients. And then I blend it also, it emulsifies and it makes a nice cappuccino style foam, mm. which I like. <laughs> That's a really good. Um, that's a really good recipe or an alternative for people who 
like they're missing that coffee, you know, their coffee fix, but maybe their mm-hmm. caffeine isn't really serving them so well. So it's really, I've never heard of anyone doing this tea before. So that's a good, I like it. Yeah, I am really big on that. And especially it is a really good way to transition away from caffeine and it, it's helping because it starts the day with some nutrients and I, I'm really big on starting the day with fat and protein and less, almost no carbs, ideally no carbs in the morning. So that's a great way to start a day with like easy fat and protein and you have your nice comforting drink. You know, even in summer, it's nice to have a hot drink in the morning. And so get your day started with the right food, you know. Mm, I agree. And even when it's boiling hot here in Australia, it's still okay to have a hot coffee. I agree. Um, it's just that, you know, it just you, that, yeah, like you say, it's a really comforting ritual to have a nice beverage like that. So I like that. And I'm sure um, the listeners are going to be trying out your fat tea. I like that recipe. That's really good. Now, before um, we go any further, tell us what's your story? How, like, how did you get into the world of keto and feel so inspired to help other women with their health? Where did all of this come from? Tell us a little bit about you. So, um, well, I was, I was studying nutrition. I um, actually got kind of thrown into nutrition by my first mentor and also the first doctor that I worked for. And so it was this doctor of chiropractic here in California, and she asked me to go work with her. And so she proposed that I study nutrition so I could go work with her. And I was into nutrition for about two years, and I was studying the founding fathers of nutrition, like Dr. Weston Price and you know, nutrient-dense foods and all the founding doctors and like the different theories. And I started out as a Western Price, you know, high nutrient diets and kind of not the GAPS diet. I never did GAPS because I never had that those kind of issues, um, digestive, severe digestive issues. But I was tending more towards paleo. And at the beginning, I was eating dairy still. And I just saw how dairy was not doing good for me, it was not serving me. And when I eliminated dairy from my diet, I started seeing some improvements in, you know, my personal problems because I came to nutrition. The main issue I was battling at that point was gallbladder disease. I had been battling gallbladder disease for about eight years, refusing (laughs) to take my gallbladder out and just managing pretty much with supplements. But Without very clear diet guidelines, I, you know, was working with a doctor of chiropractic that was helping me with that, but I wasn't really making breakthrough results. But once I started studying nutrition, I resolved, I started detoxing and working on my liver and gallbladder. And finally, I was able to detox my gallbladder and get it to function again. So that was like my first goal. And that was good. But two years into it, other things are starting to happen, which were mainly weight gain. Um, I never, I've always been very slender. I've always been lucky, high metabolism and been skinny all my life. And then all of a sudden I started gaining weight, even though I was very active physically. And I lived, like I mentioned to you before, I lived on a homestead. So I was like, out chopping woods, gardening, you know, tending animals, like a lot of work. 
but I was gaining weight and gaining weight and also not feeling good and having a lot of pain and inflammation and, um, you know, those classic, like you don't hold your adjustments, your back keeps going out. And I couldn't understand like what was going on with me because I'm studying nutrition, like eating organic local food, really high quality food and, you know, doing all these right things. Some things are getting better, but then I was getting worse. And finally, I discovered that I was pre-diabetic and my blood sugars was pretty high and I was insulin resistant and really insulin resistant. So that really opened my eyes and was a big awakening. And that's how I found the ketogenic diet because I was researching ways to lower insulin resistance. So in that way, I came in contact with keto for the first time, and it was about six years ago, and not a lot of people were doing keto back then. And I had absolutely no idea that keto was going to be this popular. I had, you know, no clue that what I was, you know, I fell in love with the ketogenic diet, and I started on myself, and it was my first guinea pig. And then I started applying it to the patient of the practice I was working for. And the, resu the results were really amazing right from the beginning. So I became very passionate about keto and it's been, you know, my path ever since. Amazing. Like amazing. Um, before we uh, move on from there, I'd just love you to expand a little bit in terms of when you say dairy wasn't serving you, if you could just let us know a little bit about what, symptoms you had there because I think sometimes people just don't know that a certain food isn't serving them then they just think oh, well it's just milk or it's just cheese I've eaten it all my life you know um what's the what's the, the, the problem going to be with it so I'd love it if you could maybe join the dots up for the listeners with the dairy symptoms but also I'd love to hear a little bit more about your gallbladder disease and how that affected you and if you could tell us a little bit about what the gallbladder does and how you managed to save your beautiful gallbladder from being <laughs> extracted from your body by a surgeon right. um, I'd love to know a little bit more about that if you if you could unpack a little bit more for us please sure um, let's start maybe from the gallbladder in order of time and then we'll move on to the dairy okay. <laughs> but uh, for me Gallbladder symptoms can range. There are a lot of different symptoms that can be related to gallbladder and the thickening of the bile. So what the gallbladder does, it just concentrates bile, which is produced in your liver. And then through the bile ducts flows into this little bladder, like a little sac that um, holds like larger quantity of this fluid, which is the bile. And the bile should be very thin, just like water. And it should flow freely from the liver to the gallbladder. And so the gallbladder can then dump it literally into your intestines through digestion when, you know, a certain enzymatic processes will trigger the release of, of the bile. And what the bile does, it has a number of functions, but the main function is to emulsify fats so they're able to be broken down and then digested. It also changes the pH of the food that is like coming from the stomach, your digestive chyme, um, chyme is called <laughs> English, sorry. And um, it is uh, very acidic when it comes from the stomach into 
your intestines. So the bile needs to neutralize that acidity so that the, the nutrients can be extracted and we can absorb those nutrients in the small intestine. So it has a number of really crucial and import, important functions. People, a lot, there is a lot of problems with gallbladders these days, especially in women and especially in women in perimenopause because one of the things that happens is that with high estrogen, the bile gets thicker. So high estrogen presence in your body is one of the things that thickens the bile together with other factors like dehydration sometimes or a lack of enzymes or the, um, <clears throat> oh, there was another one, sorry, but just went away. But, <laughs> you know, there are a number of factors that will thicken the bile. And then what happens is that instead of flowing freely, it will like, instead of being like water, it's more like toothpaste. Mm -hmm. And it will be very hard for your gallbladder to squeeze it out into your intestine to do the job it needs to do. In some people's cases, also, there is crystals forming in the gallbladder that are due to mineral precipitation. And that's when the calcium and phosphorus ratio of the body are off, which happens in a lot of people, unfortunately, because a lot of people cannot do not receive enough calcium or they do not have enough free fatty acids. And that's kind of a vicious circle because when we don't absorb the free fatty acids, then those are influencing the ratio of calcium to phosphorus and our absorption of the minerals. So it all, see, in the systems of the body, all the different systems of the body are always connected. And one of the problems with modern medicine is that the doctors are not able to see a holistic picture of the body. So for example, in the instance of my gallbladder, I did not have crystals that then lead eventually to stones, but I was experiencing a thickening of the, of the bile. And I didn't even know what was happening to me at the beginning because like, I was just having severe pain in my ribs on my back and I thought I'd broken a rib, but mm -hmm. instead it was a gallbladder pain. For some people, gallbladder issues will um, develop symptoms like a strange little cough or a constriction of your esophagus where like, you're always like clearing your throat and coughing. So they can be very different. Another symptom of gallbladder issues is constipation because not having enough bile to start the proper digestion in your intestines, like the intestine will not function properly. So when I discovered that, you know, I, my doctor that I was seeing, a chiropractor, just put me on a number of supplements we, which were managing, but they never really resolved the issue. So in order for the issue to be resolved, I had to clean my liver, detox the liver, which is very important as well for the detoxification of estrogens because all the hormones are processed to the liver so they can be maintained in ideal ratios. And a lot of times when we have problems with hormonal balance, it doesn't come necessarily from the gland producing the hormone it comes from the inability of our liver to process out the hormones and detox them. So that was happening to me as well. 
And of course, there is also part that is genetics hereditary because both my mother and my gob- my grandmother had their gallbladders removed. So evidently, it was a genetic weakness. So all those factors combined uh, created the problem. And detoxifying my liver was the key that just restored my gallbladder function to normal. And I think, you know, when caught early enough and maintain is kind of like maintaining your car you know you can't expect to run a car and never change the oil filter or never get the car in the shop for tune-ups and for me detoxification is really like taking the car in for service and like making sure that everything is clean and works good you know all the different parts of the engine are working yes the dairy part yeah so a liver a liver detox (laughs) No, 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 it's right. And just, um, you know, just agreeing with you there, Victor, because it's, um, you know, that the liver cleanse or a liver detox is essentially like changing the oil filter in your car, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's that, it's that important to do. So, yeah, tell us about the dairy symptoms. What, how is that not serving you? So my main symptoms were also hormonal related and I started experiencing, you know, like, this was already my early 40s, early to mid 40s. So I was already well entering into perimenopause. And what I found is that the dairy really gave me major symptoms like PMS. So like breast tenderness and um, moods, not so much. It was more like physical symptoms. And also my periods were heavier and I could not seem to regulate my period. So there is a correlation for me. It's like not just like when we think of dairy problems, we think of intolerance and we think, think of lactose intolerance or we think of casein intolerance. But not a lot of people talk about the hormone balance and how the natural hormones that are contained even in the best dairy, leave alone the dairy that is, you know, with cows that are fat hormones, which is bad. And that, you know, it's kind of logical to think if there are added hormones to the dairy products that they're going to be bad for us. Mm. But even just the hormones that are naturally present in that food, if you think about it, dairy is a food that is designed to grow a baby cow into a really big animal. And we just have different nutritional needs as humans versus the baby cows. So, I think there are people that are able to tolerate dairy up to a certain level, but I think that especially for women who already have a delicate hormonal balance and whose hormonal profile is not perfectly stable and have a congested liver on top of it, it really seems to like send everything like over that edge, you know, just tip it over. So I see that in my clinical practice every day, like patients come in, they don't want to quit dairy. They're so attached to their cheese and their heavy cream. And, (laughs) you know, and they're like, they come to me and they're like, I can't lose weight. It's impossible. I've done keto for like three months, six months, a year. And I lost like this many pounds and now I'm stuck. And actually it's going up or it's like started keto and gain weight instead of losing it. And once we remove the dairy and we start detoxing the liver and, you know, also doing that deep cellular detox, 
the weight starts coming off and the dairy a lot of times unlocks it and it's just like you know makes things better and their hormones start rebalancing as well that's so interesting because as you know keto is like when you started it six years ago not many people were talking about it right you know it was more paleo was the the um the most google diet probably at that point but now keto is really taking the taking the world by storm and that's great um and a lot you know everybody's heard the story of somebody who you know ditched the carbs lost 40 pounds overnight and uh, <laughs> and just her life got so much better and so everyone's ha- trying to have a good crack at it um but aren't all getting the same results and the picture that you've described there of um, women presenting in clinic is a really common story that I'm hearing that, you know, people start keto, they might get some good results after three to six months, but then they might stall or they might gain weight or they might have some extreme fatigue or lack energy or have some poor sleep. Like what, what are we doing wrong and where can we start just try and fix it? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say what are we doing wrong because, you know, people love to generalize and people love to look for that magic bullet, that quick fix. That's why everybody is going to keto. And unfortunately, sometimes it's not for the right reason, but it's because they want a quick fix. They want to just like, I'm going to do keto and lose weight. And, you know, if I lose weight, all my health problems are going to go away. You know, I hear this every single day. And unfortunately, that is kind of the perspective of putting the cart before the horse. It's the other way around. You know, you lose weight once you're healthy. And like forcing, sometimes they're okay. So there are um, certain dysfunctions or certain problems caused by, by the diet, of course. You know, the diet is a big part of the puzzle but it's not the only one. And also there are so many dysfunctions in the body that are caused by years of improper diet and other factors that are getting better with a better diet, but they're at the point where like you can't just fix them by changing your diet. So what keto does, it actually unveils the dysfunction that's present in the body and that is just masked by this other layer of dysfunction that's made worse by the diet. So once you get the diet under control, you know, and you, keto is also an elimination diet. So you eliminate grains and you eliminate a lot of like inflammatory foods. Your body's happy, of course. So it's going to start giving you some results. But when you hit that point, you know, that kind of border where the underlying dysfunction is not fixable anymore, then it will come to the surface. And of course, you know, holding on to weight, is a big symptom, it's a big red flag that there is something actually happening in your body that is not just, you're not just fat. You know, most of the people who are overweight, they're actually toxic, or they're really toxic with heavy metals or their, you know, their hormones are imbalanced, and especially thyroid hormones. And when the thyroid is involved, we already know that the gut is involved, digestion is involved, adrenals mostly involved, ovaries are involved, or gonads. So there is so much more. Once we look under the surface, it's like the famous iceberg, 
and keto is just the tip of the iceberg. But for me, as a practitioner, you know, keto is a foundation. It's a great foundation on which to start the work when I start working on my client's health. Love it. So keto is the jumping in point, uh, and then we're kind of unpeeling the layers of, you know, bloating and brain fog and you know, all of that kind of distortion that we get from inflammatory foods. And then what we're doing then is really saying, right, this is what we're dealing with. So whether it's, you know, messed up hormones or a toxic liver or digestive issues or a mixture of all of them, which is usually, yes, which is usually quite common. <laughs> um, so I, I like that because I like that. That's a really good way to describe it because it's, yeah, like you say, it's just going to show you what you're actually dealing with, which is, which is really cool. So can you tell us, can we dive a little bit more into women and hormones? And I know a lot of my listeners are in that um, menopause, perimenopausal part of their life, what sort of things would be affecting um, their health at this stage? And, and what can we do to investigate our own hormonal profile and, you know, work out how to really enhance that delicate balance of female hormones with diet and lifestyle? So I think that diet is definitely the first easiest step to get things under control. And um, like starting with like, I call it a therapeutic ketogenic diet. It's a good place to start. It means not doing keto indiscriminately, but it's not just how you eat, it's what you eat as well. So I like to do a, you know, keto paleo, I call it, that's my style of eating. But really it's like a high nutrient, um, dairy-free, unprocessed, ketogenic ratio diet. So there are a lot of different components. It's not just, you know, you can eat pretty much any food in keto ratios. You can eat McDonald's in keto ratios. It doesn't mean it's a healthy diet, you know, and it's funny because when I first started uh, keto, (laughs) I found this big community online on Reddit that was doing keto. And I started looking at the kind of recipes and, you know, the kind of foods they were sharing. And I was appalled. And I started having some beef with them because they were doing McDonald's keto. And it was like a lot of like younger people or, you know, people, um, I guess, you know, very young people and people that just really didn't care about health so much as they wanted quick weight loss. And they didn't care about what they were eating. So it was like cheese, mozzarella sticks and pepperoni all day long. And like, you know, very heavy dairy use, very heavy processed foods. I could not. I was like, if this is keto, then no. (laughs) And then I went to an epilepsy (laughs) conference to see what kind of ketogenic diet they were prescribing for babies and, you know, children with uncontrollable seizures. And it was the same thing again. It no was way. very high dairy, a lot of processed food, hydrogenated oils, like formulas made with like vegetable hydrogenated oils for babies to make a high fat formula. And I wanted to cry. Mm. <laughs> I, I thought like I was going crazy. Mm. 
you know, and I was like, no, <laughs> this is not the kind of keto that I'm going to do. And so I really started, that's how I started writing so many recipes and really how my blog got started because I was like kind of at a loss for finding what I wanted to use for my clients. And now like, it's like fast forward four years later and things have, are dramatically different, not just because everybody's talking about keto, but because people are also catching up to the importance of the quality of the food. So for a perimenopausal woman, I think that the first thing is to understand, first of all, is like you want to set up your transition into menopause the best way you can. Because otherwise, once you are in the last phases in entering menopause, it's going to be really difficult. And I see, you know, a lot of clients that have awful periods, they have, you know, hemorrhaging periods, fibroids, or, you know, a lot of different symptoms, night sweats and hot flashes already in their mid 40s or early 40s. And like depression, um, unstable mood, anxiety, it's very common. For me, after the diet, the second most important thing is the liver and the ability of our liver to detox out hormones. If our liver is not able to clean out the hormones, then the hormones will never be balanced. The other very important factor is toxicity. And we live in a very toxic world, unfortunately. Maybe not you over there in the bush. It's probably a little better. <laughs> There's still a heap of toxins but, around. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to be so careful. Everything toxic, right? Right. It's the water, it's the mm -hmm. air, it's the rain, it's the ocean. Like we can't, we have reached a point where we can't escape it. And if you read the statistic about toxins and like babies born in the Himalayas with plastics in the placenta and, you know, already plastics in their body and all these chemical toxins in their bodies is scary. Mm. But we do have one secret weapon, which is detoxin, thank goodness. And we really need to be aware of like um, xenoestrogens that's a really big one because like heavy metals and xenoestrogens are the two things that kill our hormonal balance. So we need to start educating ourselves and educating on how to clean up our environment, stop using all the nasty chemicals to clean up the house, to put on our clothes, to, you know, wash our clothes, to put on our skin, um, to use around the garden, the pesticides, like, we really need to clean up our act as humans in general. And this is for everybody. It's like our individual responsibility to do that if we want to be healthier, if we want a healthier future for our children and, you know, in the next generations. But in the meantime, it's really affecting us in such a deep way. And if we all become more conscious about it, then we can make a big difference, of course. And the, you know, the difference starts with ourselves and taking better care of our bodies by using clean products, clean foods, you know, eating at the farmer's market, supporting your local farmers who grow organic and all these little things we can do. We can do a huge amount of difference with that. This is really interesting because I think this could be a real missing piece for quite a lot of 
um, quite a lot of women out there. Uh, and first of all, I've got to say, I did not know there was such a thing as McDonald's keto and that just <laughs> makes, yeah, oh, it's almost like when I first um, went gluten-free and, and, and looked at around some of the gluten-free forums and really, you know, I was looking for a whole food gluten-free way to go. And there's so many people out there just wanting gluten-free junk food. They're just like, give me, where can I get my, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts and my McDonald's and my <laughs> Doritos, you know, it's like, really? that That's not going to enhance your health at all. So OMG, first of all, I didn't know that world existed. Thank God I'm not in that you know, in this beautiful whole food bubble, which uh, which I'm very grateful, very grateful for. But um, I think that um, a lot of for a lot of women, like they they start with the food and they they get in the food right. Maybe um, just the the piece on dairy could be a real uh, aha moment for a lot of people because a lot of the dairy, uh, sorry, a lot of the keto recipes are dairy heavy. It seems to be you know, like um, a real key part of the of the ketogenic diet. And so it's really interesting to hear this from a keto paleo um, dairy-free uh, point, which is great. And I know you've got loads of amazing recipes on your blog, The Nourished Caveman. So people can go and check that out and there'll be links to that in the show notes as well. But I do see a lot of people on the keto uh, or paleo, paleo primal, whatever you want to call it, way of living that are still using all of the toxic household chemicals and you know you give them a hug and you come away and you can smell their fabric softeners and their perfumes and all of the other things and I think that sometimes that that part of it is overlooked but I'm really glad that you've brought that up in terms of the xenoestrogens and how that can really interfere with um, your hormone balance and how your body talks to um talks to itself and spreads the message around your body. So I know detox is a big part of your work. So can you talk us through a little bit about how to detox properly? And something that really interests me is how you talk about detoxing in alignment with your ancestral body. Well, um, detoxing is like a big part of what I do and the program, you know, I have a program that's a four month long program and like probably two months of those four months are detoxing. And that's just the tip of the iceberg again, because when we talk about liver detox is one thing and then cellular detox is another thing. It's much deeper level. But if you think about it, our adipose cells, the fat cells is where we store the toxins and that's why, you know, again, going back to the weight loss, a lot of people that cannot lose weight is because your detoxin pathways are absolutely congested and your body is afraid to just let go of any little bit of toxicity because it doesn't want to make you sick. And that's why a lot of times when we lose weight, you know, you lose weight quickly and then you hit that wall or you crash and start feeling sick because like a lot of toxins are liberated and they're not properly disposed of because the detox pathways are, are clogged. So when we talk about de detox pathways, we have the liver pathway, the kidney pathway, and then the skin and the lungs, of course. But mostly the liver is really the one that takes the brunt. And then the kidneys come second. And those are the main pathways that we need to support when we talk detoxification. So in order to detox properly, 
we definitely have to do some prepping. And we can't just, I cannot throw patients into a detox, especially people who are very toxic, because that will cause all kinds of reactions. So the first step would be to start supporting your detox pathways with the proper supplementation, again, doing some elimination diet, improving the diet, improving, improving your lifestyle, start eliminating all the sources of toxins that are coming in. You know, it's like trying to empty an, a bathtub with a faucet running. We just want to make sure that first we close the faucet and then we open, you know, the drain and then the tub can empty. And That's a great time, analogy. Right? Perfect. I love that one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to stop taking toxins in and then make sure that they have a way to go out. Because also if the, you know, like if the drain is clogged, they're not going anywhere. So we're not going to make sure that the drain is nice and open. And so we support the pathways and then we start pushing a little bit more with like, I use herbal supplements and uh, um, like a little bit of liver pusher or, you know, um, I don't really use chelators uh, but I use herbs for the liver um, to support that detoxification. And then when we go into cellular detox, and again, we can use specific supplements that like if depends if we're detoxing like uh, heavy metals or viruses or bacteria, chemicals. So there are different supplements that can be used and I don't use isolates, so I use whole food supplements or herbal products. And depending, you know, like I use herbs a lot because they are fantastic, but also we need to be really mindful of like how we detox from heavy metals. A lot of people talk about chelation. I really don't like that way of detoxing because it can be dangerous for the body and the body will always want to regain of meiostasis and regain a, a better state of health. So all we need to really do is provide the building blocks. So sometimes just providing the right nutrients, providing the right minerals will help your body get rid of heavy metals and, you know, restore the function. So from a very holistic point of view, you know, um, we just, in nutrition, one of the principles of nutrition, we say, we need to remove the obstacles for healing. So in that case, the toxins, and then nourish the body and give it the time it needs and everything is possible. You know, the body will heal in miraculous ways as we see all the time. And we're not limited by this mentality of pathology like the medical doctors are. Oh, it's so inspiring. It really is. And I think that the relieving ourselves of that burden of time is huge and allowing the body to um, to heal and giving it that time. And it might not be as fast as we want it, you know, in the world of, you know, instant gratification. And I'm forever being targeted on um, social media for, you know, surgical, cosmetic surgeon um, adverts to you know, I don't need to do all of this hard work. I could just pay twelve and a half thousand Aussie dollars to a surgeon and they'll get me looking like I want to look. But that's not the point, is it? Because, um, you know, you, you might not get the results that you want 
as quickly as you want them, but behind the scenes, your body is, and it's, it's a really nice compassion point for our body because behind the scenes, the body's doing all that it can to protect us um, and not dump a big pile of toxins into a, a system that couldn't handle it. So it's a really, I just really like, it's a really nice way to, to really, um, to reframe it in terms of, you know, uh, getting the results that we want. Yes. Very cool. And plus, if you like trying to take a shortcut like that, that means most of the time, so you, you're still not going to be happy with the results no. because the same self-sabotaging habits that took you to not be happy with your body are still going to be in place once the surgeon has done his job. And in fact, you see most people that resort to those kind of um, solutions, drastic solutions that they just revert back pretty quickly unless it's like, you know, drastic like uh, plastic surgery. But when it comes to just like liposuction or trying to eliminate that fat that way, a lot of times it just comes right back. Well, that's it because they still they haven't turned off the tap or the faucet. You know, the, you, if you're still living that same lifestyle you haven't addressed the root cause of the um the dysfunction you know and um yeah that's a really i love that that was a really cool analogy a really cool way to look at it so i know in a lot of your work you talk about mindset and um the spiritual aspect of our health um and stress and trauma and how a lot of women in the world are feeling overwhelmed so I just would love you to explain a little bit more of how you find either trauma or past trauma or m- current mindset can be such a pivotal piece in our, our reclaiming of our health. I think that actually in my work, I see they, they really do go hand in hand. And, you know, as you work on the physical body, you will have the opportunity to start digging to the deep roots of disease, which is what I like to do with my clients. And what I found is that, in my opinion at this point, all the roots of disease are emotional and energetic, of course. But then how do we address it? Because, you know, we are coming from an epoch of separating the mind and the body and separating the mind, the body and the spirit and setting them, you know, in different locations. Like I go to church for my spirit and I go to the shrink for my, for my mind and I go to the medical doctor for my body. And that's such an old, um, really like separatist, like how would you call it, like divisionist vision that it's really not what the human is about. It's a very primitive kind of vision. And funny enough, but our primitive ancestors knew more about the holistic image of humans than we do. And I feel like... (laughs) Isn't that ironic? Right. And it's like, you know, the cycles of civilization, the civilizations come and go and they rise and fall. We're at a certain point in our civilization here where we have gone through the Middle Ages and this has come about this certain version of what we call science, which is, you know, really very narrow-minded. And now finally, 
we are evolving into a more holistic vision of science that is like quantum physics and the science, like a more holographic vision of the human being as part of everything. Because, you know, when we start dividing ourselves from everything else, that's the problems really begin. And it's the same thing that we are doing in treating the human and dividing the different parts of us. So, if you start seeing this holistic view of our health, our, our ourselves, you know, really on all the different levels and all the different aspects, they need to be addressed together. Because like when you start a deep detox, you will access places in your body where emotions are stored or stored away or traumas are stored away in your organs, in your muscles. And you will suddenly like have access to those. And if you don't know how to navigate that as you detox, let's say, as you know, everybody says liver is the seat of anger. And yes, that's a very uh, kind of straightforward analogy. It's true. And you might detox some anger once you open up those liver pathways and that will come up and then we'll start digging down into this kind of journey of like the history of your body. And then if you go even deeper, it's not just your physical body, but it's your DNA and what is stored in your DNA memory that we are working with as we heal the body. Because people think sometimes that the DNA is like this like thing written in stone, like the Rosetta stone that is just there and will never be different. But the DNA is a living organism made of cells that change. So we can switch on and off genes. We can heal defective genes through lifestyle and diet and through our mind. And this is what it's really coming a lot of like the contemporary research is really exciting research being done by doctors like Dr. Joe Dispenza on the mindset and the energetics of the mind in healing the body. I still very much value nutrition and, you know, this is what I do. I do nutrition, but I also do nutrition in a holistic way. So when I address, you know, cases of my clients, we go into this kind of journey of discovery. And the journey is, for me, the journey of the true deep healing of a human and we really need that right now as a species because we are not doing so good in so many ways mm. so That's if true. you can just you know access that in one person and we are all connected the more people we can bring onto this right frame of mind the sooner we're going to reach a tipping point for our species Love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. It's so inspiring. Um, and so exciting to think that, you know, we can rewrite our DNA and affect our genes so that, you know, our daughters and sons and, and their, um, you know, our line can be healed of past traumas. Um, and we can go on and, and thrive as a species because, you know, I really think that, um, uh, even just when it comes to nourishing ourselves with real food, that can be, we can have a lot of subconscious um, sabotaging blocks just around just simple things like our own self-worth, like who am I to eat this beautiful food and I don't deserve it. You know, all of these little things that can really, once you 
shine light on them in, in the darkness can really transform your life on all sorts of different levels. And food is a really easy place to start, but I always think that, yeah, whatever, whatever shiz mm-hmm. you have got that needs to be dealt with, it will come mm-hmm. uh, to the surface once you start on a healing journey. And that's why it's so important to, you know, surround yourself with a like-minded community for support or to work with you, somebody like you, um, to have that guidance. So when something does come up, you can go, oh, we knew this was going to come and here's some tools to deal with it, to feel it so it can dissipate and, um, and move on. And I would love to find out a lot more about how we can work with you because I'm pretty sure there's going to be some people that want to hook up with you after this after they've listened to this episode. But before we get into that, just a couple of quick fire questions. If you could Mm -hmm. tell us what your thoughts are on three great areas in keto paleo, which are coffee, alcohol, and chocolate. (laughs) The good stuff, right? Like speaking about mindset, if we talked about mindset, which could kind of qualify those as crutches, Mm -hmm. and that would be a whole different conversation. But from the nutritional standpoint, coffee, I have a couple of issues with coffee. Unfortunately, I don't think coffee is one of the healthiest food because, um, first of all, it is a stimulant and it pushes our adrenals. And for women, especially women in perimenopause, adrenals are a delicate thing. And we are under so many different stressors that our adrenals are pretty much working over time all the time. So the more stressors we can eliminate, the better. And coffee turns out to be a stressor because it's stimulating the adrenal and overstimulating them. A more natural way to handle things would be when you're tired, rest. <laughs> and people, your listeners probably are like, ha, 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 lady, you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> Having a time to rest. <laughs> I know. That's another long conversation. Mm. But um, I've taken a lot of people off of coffee that were just like fighting tooth and nail And they now have actually much better energy because of the lack of coffee. So coffee can be a treat. Um, I would recommend definitely clean coffee. Don't ever even touch coffee that is not organic. That stuff is really nasty. And even organic coffee can harbor molds and um, bring not so fun stuff into your body. So it's not necessarily always good, even organic. And then it's a high acidity food. It can affect your digestive power. So that's also not ideal. So there are a number of little things that just make me not love coffee. It tastes amazing. We love the flavor. It could be a treat, but a treat is not like three cups a day. It's not even a cup every day. You know, it's an occasional treat, especially if you're experiencing a lot of stress, your adrenals are under stress, your body is under stress, I would definitely try to eliminate it until energy is balanced. So the more you need coffee, the more you should not have it. Mm. And then chocolate. Chocolate is a little better. 
um, there are some phytonutrients, phytochemicals uh, in chocolate that can be people can be sensitive to. So I would say that the good thing is moderation here, and like again, good quality, fair trade, organic, not sprayed with a bunch of chemicals. Those are good, good rules, you know. And like chocolate is like something to enjoy. Is not like those things are not to be used to like stuff your pain. Let's be like really mm. honest here. Mm. And you know, coffee or chocolate is just like when I feel discomfort or when I feel anxiety or when I feel tired. If you feel tired, you really should listen to your body and be more in balance with that and try not to push beyond your limits because that's where you, the damage is created. And alcohol I think there is a more like pick your battles kind of situation. I enjoy <laughs> drinking wine. I, I love Prosecco. I love a glass of Prosecco here and there. And unfortunately, it's really not that good for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a fermented drink and it's, you know, and that kind of ferment is not good for my gut. And then it's also um, high histamine. And I had histamine sensitivities at some point when I was eating too many high histamine foods. So you need to kind of pick, you know, with alcohol. Alcohol and keto is okay. And within certain limits, I would recommend more a distilled spirit like vodka, clean vodka, better than beer, which has gluten in it and is fermented. And even wine, which can have molds and pesticides and uh, is fermented. So a clean spirit distilled with like um, bitters, really nice bitters that are actually herbal and beneficial um, mixed together for flavor and some bubbly water. It's a pretty acceptable form of alcohol for the body and also done in moderation because it is hard on the liver. So I think that would be the best possible choice of the range. <laughs> some great advice there and some really cool alternatives, you know, if, if people do want to um, continue with those three fabulous uh, inventions. So <laughs> just get into the end of the interview now, Vivica. So how can people find you and tell us a bit about um, the course that you have available? Um, so my I have a program I mentioned is about four months and it's called the healing foods method. And this is my preference on how to work with clients because it gives me the time to really dig in and address all those underlying issues that keto has revealed. Mm, I'm, I do more the advanced uh, kind of phase of keto. There are a lot of people out there who do like keto for beginners and, you know, really easy keto or keto just for people who have, a little bit of issue. I'm more like the big guns when, you know, people have major health issues and they need to like get those under control and keto, of course, as part of the whole holistic picture of the health. So four months is a good time to start scratching the surface and giving the body a little bit of that time that it needs to make things happen for healing. That's why it's called the Healing Foods Method. <laughs> um, and they have it, they can find me through my blog, The Nourished Caveman. So it's thenourishedcaveman.com. 
I have a special page for your listeners. If they want, I have a little download for them about um, blood work and hormones. So the page is thenourishcaveman.com forward slash podcast. And from there, they can just uh, find different resources and different ways to work with me. I also do, of course, consults. And I offer different um, degrees of programs for people who are less or more involved in the, their health. You know, not everybody needs a big program. That's luckily. right. <laughs> That's great. So you can really customize, you know, for where people are at right now. They might not necessarily want to do the big program, but you've got different options for them, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And on um, Facebook as The Nourished Caveman, can I just ask you, mm-hmm. why is it not the, the Nourished Cave Woman? Because my English is that bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. I thought cavemen would be like men and women, kind of like the cave people. Yeah, yeah. But when I created this this name, I never had any idea that my blog would be more than like, four followers it was yeah. like what six years ago and suddenly it was something and I was like oh and now I'm stuck with this name and it's not even the right name <laughs> <laughs> and if you change it people would be like who's that it's like starting all over again right oh that's hilarious yeah that's so, so that's so funny it is. it's kind of my insider joke <laughs> it's so, and I love hearing stories of people who put themselves out there that want to share their message and seriously think that there's only going to be like four people reading their blog and then fast forward six years and you've got this amazing following on Facebook you've got a book you've got amazing recipes you're on all the hot podcasts across the world and just wanted to say congratulations on you know daring to step out and um, share your contribution with the world because uh, what you're doing is amazing. I really, it really resonates with me, um, the work that you're doing. So well done. Thank you so much. Thank you, Helen. I'm on a mission of service. So it, it's, you know, it's just an offering. I'm here to help, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thank you for your time today. And hopefully we'll catch up with you again in the future. Thank you, Vivica. Thank you for having me. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.